Yo, what's up? This is Toru, and in a way, so are you. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a music producer, artist, and entrepreneur. I make music for that space between the dance floor and the bedroom, which has been streamed millions of times and been licensed by brands big and small, including companies like Apple. I believe that regardless of what you produce, whether it be music, art, physical goods, or even spreadsheets, you have a process, whether you know it or not. To explore this further, I created the Producer Head podcast. Producer Head is a place to have conversations with other producers about their experience and process to share what works and what doesn't, to help each of us learn and improve our own processes along the way. Today's guest is Brandon Rowan, who writes and produces music as Bureaucratic. He has been recording songs since 2008 when he spent earnings from his first job as an ice cream scooper on a digital recording console. Since then, Bureaucratic fostered a love of making sample-based beats in the vein of 70s funk and old-school New York hip-hop, augmented by live-recorded bass guitar and synthesizer. Bureaucratic's Beats album, that's B-E-E-T-S, albums have topped the Bandcamp hip-hop charts, and Bureaucratic has toured the U.S. multiple times, including stops at venues like Red Rocks in Colorado. Finally, Bureaucratic has co-written songs with Grammy Award-winning artists. He currently lives and works in Brooklyn, New York. In the first part of this two-part episode, we get into approaching your creative process through a place of excitement and fun versus hard work, sampling and its role in Bureaucratic's own process, as well as its value as music education, lessons learned from giving lessons to other producers, motivation, making money, and its place in artistic development. And we even have a mini listening session and discuss a couple tracks. This was something new and I had a lot of fun with it. I hope that you do too. Definitely feel free to reach out and let me know. All right, so with all that said, let's go ahead and jump in to part one of this two-part episode with Brandon Rowan, AKA Bureaucratic. Everybody, this is Toru, and in a way, so are you. Welcome back to another episode of Producer Head. Very, very stoked today. We have Brandon Rowan, AKA Bureaucratic, here to talk with us today. We're gonna start a little differently than we usually do. And Bureaucratic has been kind enough to pick out some music that we're going to listen to together. Yes, sir. Strap in. So let me ask you as I'm loading this up, how often would you say, or, or to what degree is like active listening a part of your, your like music diet? That's a great question, man. I think I talked about this a little bit in that episode with Jacuzzi. And he really brought to my attention, like how much more as a younger person, even in like before I was even producing music, how much I used to like seek out music and take it in, like in a really indiscriminate way and be almost seeking out things that were going to challenge me, like things that I knew were outside of something I was going to like immediately. And I almost like kind of sought that out. I would say in a place now where my tastes are like kind of a little bit more like baked in a sense that I don't seek that out as much, but I would say that for better, for worse. And I think like anybody who has had, you know, the experience of being out with me somewhere that it's really hard for me to not listen to music in an active way that like I'll meeting that I'll be out somewhere and we'll be talking and a song will come on. I'm like, hold on. And I need to listen to this. And and I'll like, I'll either Shazam it or I'll make a note of it in my phone or something, because sometimes I just really, so it's, it's something that I almost can't turn off. And I, I, at this point, I've kind of given up on trying to stop that. I think it's just something, it's just kind of how I am a little bit. For sure. I notice that too when I go out sometimes. I mean, it really depends on the song, but every once in a while, I'll be out with someone and I'll be like, yeah, hold that thought for a sec. This is crazy. Like, are you hearing this? This is insane. <laughs> and I'll just, you know, tune into whatever's playing in some bar, you know, over the din of people talking. 
And I can tell for the the person I'm with that this is like not a fun experience. I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like my, I can't handle this at the same time as a conversation. I got to listen. Like, this is cool. Yeah. I mean, it's uh-huh. it. And <laughs> I've definitely like upset restaurant employees. I've been like, can you help me find out what this is? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to like ask uh, whoever is controlling the music. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, it's it's always fun to be able to go up to somebody like, "Yo, did you choose the music? It's fire!" You know, just compliment, <laughs> even if they didn't. It's yeah. uh, it's it's fun. But yeah, man, the the reason I bring that up and the reason I ask that question is is because I've found that over the years, just for myself, and I'm sure some people can relate to this. Uh, I, I find I connect a lot more deeply with music when I get to listen to it, and that's sort of the only thing that I'm worried about at the moment, and the mm. only thing I'm paying attention to. I call it active listening. It's kind of what like professors that I had in uh, in music school referred to it as. And we actually had this this really cool exercise my freshman year when I was at NYU, which is a, the the music school there is called the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. Um, it's basically like a four-year pop music program, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I focused in engineering and production. And so my uh, engineering teacher freshman year, uh, Michael McCoy, he was like, all right, Here's 10 songs, 12 songs. Over the course of the semester, you have to write out or type up a list of every element that you hear and you have to describe it when wow. it comes in and just, just what are the characteristics of it? What can you, with your vocabulary about music, like what can you say about each thing mm-hmm. that happens in the song? And I'm really grateful for that. It really trained me to, to pay close attention Sometimes to a fault. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> when I'm out, I'm like, okay, all right, Michael, you got me. You know, here I am, yeah. Yeah. a formed adult, you know. But, um, <laughs> but it also, it, 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 brings, it brings forth like a, a really fun experience. You know, it's like, like treating music or like an album like it's a movie or a show, you know, sitting down on the couch, especially with a buddy who you're, who you're you know, trying to do this with and just like being able to experience music directly as the main event. It's a little bit heady for sure, you know. But I like that, and it's it's a really gratifying experience for me. So that's what I'm bringing to to you here. No, that's what's up, man. No, I appreciate the context. What's that? I appreciate the context. I'm super cool. And so while we're on it, I'm kind of curious. Like, yeah. is it like a formal practice that you like maintain? Is there like time that you carve out, or like what does it look like now in terms of the way that you're active listening is? Yeah, I, you know, I wish it was a little bit more regimented um, in my life. It's something that I kind of when I have the inspiration, and especially when I'm able to meet with a friend and have someone come over, you know, we'll Mm. either like put on a vinyl record or something and go through it like that, or, you know, come over, smoke a little bit of weed and we'll just like throw on headphones. And then when it's done or when like halfway through, we'll just be like, yo, so what do you think? You know, like what was cool? What was not cool? What was hitting? You know, just discussing it. I find it's really fun to do socially with people who, you know, at least you get along with well. So (laughs) so you can just sit in silence for... 40 minutes but yeah i'm sure the exchange is actually really valuable to not to be able to do it with somebody else is a lot different absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah you learn you learn about your taste that way and i think yeah. that's why i i dig it is because I, I think i've done a lot of listening to music in a vacuum mm. and by sharing this process you really get to clue into like what somebody else approaches music thinking and like where their taste comes from and and what they notice, like is going to be totally different from what you notice. And I think that's really valuable as a producer because you, you understand like very intimately what somebody else might be approaching music looking for. And I, I don't know, for myself, I find that very valuable. So I, I cherish these experiences quite a bit. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited, actually. I can't say that I've, I think 
Yeah, I mean, to do it in this format is going to be very, very interesting and definitely something new for, for the episodes. I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, awesome. All right, so we got Secret Place by Justin Stanton, 2019. Let's run it. Three, two, one.
Yes, sir. Wow. Wow. Justin Staten's 2019 Secret Place. Off the album of the same name. I feel yes, like I'm working sir. at NPR all of a sudden. So, yeah. Wow. That was really cool, man. I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is... Hmm. Like if you wouldn't have, like, you know, if you just would have played that for me, I like, I'm curious, like, do you know how he made it? Because I think if you would just play that for me and you could have told me that was made in a different time period. Hmm. Why do you say that? There's just this, I don't know. I think like the texture and the tone of the synths just like immediately take me like this, this could have been eighties to me or something, you know, like for a movie soundtrack or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The synths are, are, are very simple. You know, it's like a, it feels like it's really a, a sawtooth or something with, mm. you know, there's filter modulation. You can hear some, some vibrato that's going yeah, on sure. uh, as it holds out notes. But, um, but yeah, the synths themselves are like pretty nonspecific, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, it does kind of have this like timeless quality. It's a great point. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, and yet, like you said, the vibrato piece and when that mm. first like lead comes in, like, I don't know if he's actually playing with the filter as he's playing that first note or if it's like just the position that it's in and the way that the attack responds but mm-hmm. it really you really that first note cuts through pretty immediate you know you really feel that right it's like an announcement yeah very it's much so very, very like foot down you know but it's also so soft and, and you know at the same time there's no drums in the whole piece it's right, just it's not sense. harsh yeah and that was the thing too right and listening to it i'm like i'm like waiting it's like is there going to be is this an intro for something is it going to be a thing and so the way that it kind of evolves Something that I also really noticed, and I, I think, man, like, and I hear people that I look up to musically all the time, like, like I listen back to a performance, and I never say, I wish I would have played more notes. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, li- listening to this right now, right, I was like, wow, like, he doesn't really play more than like three or four note slurs at a time. And mm-hmm. then there's just a lot of sustain in between. Yeah. And so all of the phrasing is like really really like i don't know just really tasteful in my opinion you know and really like kind of controlled in that way mm-hmm. and it does just like allow for this like accumulation of this thing over time which is right. cool yeah i agree man um one of one of my favorite things about it is the restraint that yeah. this obviously very talented musician and composer yeah has as he goes through this i mean it's like a five and a half or yeah five five minutes yeah. of this arrangement that's just for synth and the chord prog- the main chord progression is fairly long. It's mm-hmm. like 16 different chords, like 16 bars essentially. But it's 16 like it's it's the whole movement. I mean, it's rare that I find in the kind of music that you and I make and probably listen to a lot, it's rare to hear something that sort of like chord like harmonically developed. Sure. And so, yeah, both the restraint in that there's no like drop, there's no drums. It's really just this like slow build. Mm-hmm. the fact that it's not only always building but there's a very long sort of current that only repeats like i think four to five times with like a bridge in the middle mm. it just it's able to grow in a way that a lot of music a lot of like the beats that we listen to perhaps like sure. doesn't right you know yeah just i think it's fascinating you know it's a, it's a it's a really good example of of to me at least this is you know my imagination running with this too but yeah. like a really good example of like complexity but also a lot of restraint. Absolutely. I, I like that. I like that. that yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I do think, man, I think there's just something really cool to be said for like being comfortable with like, I, I think it's an expression of just being comfortable and like wanting to express something through a song. 
mm-hmm. or through a piece of some kind and not and being able to be detached from it in a way where you don't feel like you need to prove yourself or your knowledge or your talent or ability through it. Mm-hmm. And that is just something that I think is so it sounds so easy, but I think it's so hard to do. And again, why, like maybe if you're playing in a gig and it comes around you to take a solo or something, you feel like you just need to just how many notes can I fit in before, you know, this this is up, you know, mm-hmm. and in the same way that like maybe if it's, you know, your turn to give a talk in a conver- like in a in a conference or a conversation just out, you feel like you need to really get something across to let people know that you know something or project something. And so there's, I don't know, I think that gets in the way of just making something that's, I don't know, an expression or something that's honest or authentic in some way. Dude, of course. Yeah, exactly. And you can hear that this guy is something of a master. Yeah. You know, in, in doing so. I don't know if you're familiar with Snarky Puppy. Oh, yeah. But he, he plays with that group oh, all the time. Oh, okay. So th- is that how you discovered this guy? Actually, no. I don't remember how exactly I discovered him. But I do remember the first time I listened to this song, I was on tour outside of Atlanta driving. I was on a tour by myself. It was a wild month. <laughs> uh, like last minute, I found out that I didn't have a spot in the van with the band that I was supporting. Oh man. And so I was like, oh, I guess I gotta like rent my own car and I don't have a tour manager. So I'm just like doing this. Okay, wow. like word. This is gonna be <laughs> psycho, but yeah. let's go. And I was it was like post gig and I was driving middle of the night to um a homie's place that I was crashing at outside mm-hmm. of Atlanta. And uh and this came on and I'm just like post gig, like glowing, just like, whoa, <laughs> what the hell is this song, man? Like this is wow. crazy. I was freaking out in the car. And I was like, this one's special. I, I like got to I got to show this to my to my friends, man. This is a there's something in here that I just, you know, he communicated. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it feels crazy. Wow, that's pretty cool. It came to you in that in that moment. Mm-hmm. Unexpected, which I think is important. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, timing is a lot. Wow. Yeah. Super cool, though. But yeah, big fan of Snarky Puppy. I've been fortunate enough to see them a few times and every time man, just been nice. so great. Yeah. Love them. Awesome. So yeah, man. So that's uh, that's Secret Place by Justin Stanton. Real, wow. real, uh, yeah, a real piece. Yeah, thanks for sharing it, man. I hope everybody listening takes that in. That's that's definitely fun and something very new. Should we move on to the to the second one? Sure. I was going back and forth on which one to uh, show you, but let's let's do this. This is one of my favorite beats. The last I don't know, last year. Ready, three, two, one.
wow. Yeah, I mean, man, dude, mind design. I went first last time. You go first this time. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. go first. Yeah. Yeah, mind design. Uh, where do I begin? Mind design, mind design is one of my favorite beat makers. Has been for probably the last 10 years. Just consistently some of the more imaginative, uh, fun, like funny. I find that he has a great sense of humor in his music. And I, I think that comes out in this song a little bit. But also that one just has such a deep pocket. And, you know, between the sample chops, the, the like scatting yeah, going on, it's like yeah. double time. It just, it's just ridiculous, but it's also really groovy. And I think what I like about it so much, A, I have this like total fondness for like cool vocal chops. This just like, like sample chops of like a vocal track that mm -hmm. kind of sounds chaotic. And I think he just, he like does this thing here, the way he chopped it. It just sounds like, you know, at risk of sounding like a total head. It just sounds so like <laughs> cosmic. And so, you know, like there's some, there's some sort of like, like wonder to it that I just think he captures. It's just a feeling that I get from it. You know, it's this purely subjective here, but it just like this, this track just like has it. And I fell in love with it because of that. But it's, it's just like, it's funny too. There's that, that, that doobie 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 chop just makes me laugh every time. Bro. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, also the drums, uh, again, super restrained. Mm -hmm. There's not too much going on. And they're like very sort of like dull, pretty compressed. They're not saying much, but I think that says a lot in turn. Just deep, deep, deep pocket. Super yeah. fun. I mean, I think that's the cool thing about, I think there's just an obsession with how hard drums are hitting, I think, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was immediately like, wow, like this is really cool. And there's no lack of like feeling you want, feeling like you want to like nod your head or like really live in this groove. But the drums are not something that are even close to being up front. They're super dead and like super restrained and compressed. Like you said, it's cool. Yeah. And he's letting all those other samples really kind of take control of it, which is super cool. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm also, I just, I was just sharing with somebody who didn't know him the other day. Like I played them arrows off of the Breatharians album. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know that. I, so yeah, he's just. Yeah, he's cool. And I don't know if they have one that the do, -do, -do if that's like a little bass sample, like a little bass run or something. That's mm -hmm. like, that's, that is, I was loving that. That is, man, so nice. And yeah, also, right. man, he she just also, I guess, were those keys sampled too? Cause like it sounds like something he would play in terms of the sound of them, you know? I don't know. Yeah. It definitely sounds like DX70 or DX5. Yeah. I think he has like a DX5, which is uh, similar, slightly earlier yeah. synth. So it could be those keys like yeah. that, that, that is often a thought, but I don't know. They're, they're chopped very seamlessly. So, you know, and this is where we get into another fun part of active listening, which is yeah. like, you have to use your imagination to sort of yeah. like figure out what's going on. Yeah. And that's the fun part is like, yeah. dude, how do I reverse engineer? Some right. Of my favorite music? I don't know how he did this, but let me try to do it right. myself because how fun would that be? Yeah. I definitely feel like you hear in this particular beat too, just how much like he like knowledge is like his friend and influence you know at mm -hmm. the same time like i mean this one definitely has a lot of that especially you know i love too like how at the end there's just kind of that switch up and like sort of like almost a non sequitur to me yeah. that's something too that's like very kind of like classic like jazz sampled hip-hop kind of things where people yeah. throw things like that in so mm -hmm. that was also kind of cool i mean i also i mean in general what i like about him is just sort of like he kind of has like an irreverence for genre, which I love. Like he just makes all kinds of stuff. 
Yeah. So that is kind of, for me, something that I always take away from listening to him is just, he just does whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he retains his personality throughout all of it too, which is, which is hard to do. But, yeah. But very, very cool. Yeah. It's funny too, that the non sequitur that you, you mentioned is, this is part of a beat tape called Snacks with three mm -hmm. X's. He has three beat, beat tapes called Snacks. This one is the third and hence three X's. But he, that's basically the theme. Like that, yeah, is that 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 recurs like four yeah. or five times throughout the album. So it's 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 interesting because it's like that's he's just kind of circling back. It's like so you know you're listening to this, you know, mm. this program, you know. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, I think the entire beat tape starts with that too. That's um, cool. So yeah, it's it's just it's a cool thing that he does sometimes in his in his albums that it's just like here's the thing. Like you put out another one. Uh, Less of a beat tape, more of a like a live band album called Rare Pleasure, like mm -hmm. two years ago. Amazing album, also a big fan of that. But he has themes that that recur like throughout. He he reprises them. And there's something fun about enjoying like the same melody a couple times. Like it actually hammers it home in a different way. And you kind of, you know, grow to love it over the course of an album. Yeah. I mean, maybe right. it just speaks to to trying to create something that feels more like a whole album, which is mm -hmm maybe less and less kind of what's happening right now because of streaming and all that, you know, but also maybe something we'll get to later. <laughs> totally. Definitely. Definitely. There's, there's some juicy content, uh, yeah. content, Jesus. Uh, there's some, there's some <laughs> juicy conversation to be had about that. Oh, I hate myself. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, man, those are, those are, those are two tracks I really like. I hope you got something out of that. No, I definitely did, man. Thanks for, for playing them. I haven't heard this, the snacks, so I'm oh, going to have to go through right. and check this out. Yeah. Joy. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you, man. And everybody listening, let us know how you, how you felt about this new exercise. Very different. Very different. Very fun for us, hopefully, <laughs> for you too. Hey, man. I always have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Fun to share. All right, man. So with that, let's jump into some of the stuff that we have. Let's start with your creative yeah. process. Like, tell us about it and how do you feel it's evolved over time? Where did it start? Yeah, well, I guess my, my process generally looks like, I, I tend to produce like the majority of the time I produce solo in my studio. I got a little home studio uh, here in Brooklyn. And generally the first thing I like to do when I'm like warming up for the day is to just browse. I've been a sample-based producer for a long time. And that's kind of the first, first process that I fell in love with as a beat maker and producer. So generally speaking, what I'm going to do is I'm going to load up right now Tracklib. Tracklib is what I've been going through for finding samples. You know, I, I like the, the fact that the process is legal. I don't <laughs> feel like I have to watch over my shoulder when I, when I use music from there. Tracklib is great. If any of you are sample-based producers and you haven't heard about Tracklib, definitely recommend it. Check it out. But yeah, I'll just browse until my ear perks up. So I'm just, I'm really just like asking, you know, the the universe so to speak for for some inspiration i find that when i try to just like white knuckle and go in and just like open ableton and like start doing something it doesn't usually bear fruit so so yeah I'll just i'll browse i'll either go through Tracklib or like records or sometimes I'll just put on spotify usually i try to put on music that i like wouldn't normally listen to mm. like i don't know pop like sometimes i'll just put on like top 40 today's top hits or something mm. and just try to mine that for something that's like oh that's weird that's interesting let me what is that? And then I'll, I'll go off of that. Um, and then from there, I just try to incorporate that, whatever that idea is, whatever that seed is, into a hip-hop beat. 
Cool. So does that mean once you find a sample that works for you, then you're like, okay, drums next. Generally speaking, when I find the sample, I chop it first. Mm. My first order of business is like, okay, this is cool. I look for something that I feel like I can rephrase mm. in some way. And so my first order of business is always, okay, these are cool textures. These are cool sounds. I like this movement. Let me see what I can rearrange this into. And that's just like an exploration phase. Gotcha. And sometimes that goes really well. And sometimes it's really quick. And sometimes it, it just leads somewhere totally unexpected. And sometimes it's a dead end. But, you know, I think important to try and find it out. And if that doesn't work, usually I got a few more in me before I start to get like, okay, maybe today's not the day. Or sometimes it's like, oh God, like it's hitting. Mm -hmm. Things are good, you know. Um, so it's really kind of out of my hands in, in a big way. It just feels like, you know, it's either going to happen or it's not. Yeah, I mean, what's really cool about that, man, is it sounds like you don't, you're not trying to force anything and you're trying to find something that's like inviting you forward instead of trying to maybe push something into happening. Exactly. Yeah, it's, there's a big tension there because like I want something to happen, sure. but I got to like not try too hard because if right. I try too hard, then it's not going to happen. It's not going to feel right. So yeah, um, yeah you really got to like be kind of hands off about it, which is why I like this process so much. It's sure. something that, you know, I think in my life I could use a little bit more of. It's just like, yeah, let's, let's hands off here. Let's just see what happens. Absolutely. I mean, also knowing you and being somewhat familiar with your process, you're also somebody who really puts in work to build tools and efficiency. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of wondering if you can speak on that a little bit, where that comes from and, and what that does for you. I, I tend to be a fairly organized person, although if you saw the state of my house right now, you might believe otherwise, but I like to just get things out of the way. So if I notice that there's something that I've been doing repeatedly, you know, and I, I use Ableton. So say there's like uh, some process in Ableton mm -hmm. that I've just been like doing over and over that takes multiple steps that like could take fewer steps. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to automate that in some way. I'm going to figure out some workaround or some way to just like make this faster. Because I don't want to have to think about that. If an idea is striking and I'm like, ooh, 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 like, like we're here, man. Like this is, it's happening. The last thing I want to do is, is have to stop and, and, and think about some mechanical process, you know, interfacing with the, the DAW or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I build in a lot of like custom stuff into my template. Like it's all set up. All my inputs are like ready to go mm -hmm. when I open up Ableton. Like I don't have to do anything. Uh, and, that, and that's... I just like working fast like that. You know, it's basically being the trying to be the producer and engineer to my own artist. Essentially. Right. It's like, if I was my own client, what would I want? You know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there's also something to be said maybe for just like removing as many of the potential blocks and speed bumps from idea to getting it recorded before you forget it. Right. And so exactly. it's in the same way that like, whether you play instruments or not, it's Ableton and its various tools are essentially instruments. And so the better that you understand them, like the more quickly things can kind of flow through. And I feel like that's kind of what you're describing in terms of how you get through that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're just yeah. making it easy. Yeah. For yourself. Very cool. So what are some things you think about maybe when you look back on how you used to make beats versus now, like things that maybe have changed and evolved over time? I don't know. I mean, I think over time I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with trying to say less with each beat. You know, I think when I was younger, I was like really excited to find a process that seemed like it was, it was really working and like connecting with people. And, you know, I was very lucky to reach a, at least, you know, a, a modest audience when I was young. 
And I think it was like, damn, this is really cool. Like something that I'm just like having fun with is like reaching people. Mm. And I think I tried to throw a lot at each beat because of that, because I mm -hmm. really wanted to connect. When I listen back, I'm like, I can hear that. I'm like, ooh, you were you were trying, you were trying pretty hard, man. <laughs> Which like, you know, I love myself for it. But it's yeah. uh it's one of those things that now that I'm a little bit older and I've listened to more music and I've I've, you know, just spent more time doing this. I'm like, yeah, it's it, like simple, simple is is cool. Simple is better. And 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 feeling is is I think the most important thing. And so I've been trying to like, okay, another example. When I was younger, I was programming my drums constantly like everything was it wasn't necessarily quantized but it was all programmed like mm. to a grid of some kind even if the grid was swung you know a la chris dave or Questlove, or you know like those, those kinds of swung drunk rhythms and, and whatnot but it was all sort of computer generated and there wasn't that much humanity and i can hear that now and i'm like oh man like it's a little cold you know i can mm. hear the digi digital i can hear the daw mm. I, I, I kind of, I, I have a drum kit now in my room or just like a hat and snare. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I find that it just feels so much better to get that like human touch, even though I'm a pretty bad drummer. Mm. Uh, I just like the, the, the way that that comes through and, and what that says just feels a lot more organic. So I'm just trying to incorporate more like sort of humility and like humanity in the stuff that I make. You have to do a lot to learn that it may be better to do less. Yeah. And leave in mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, there's something cool about that. I think I've experienced that too, where because something is loop based or because like you have the ability to like kind of dial everything in that it's something that you almost are like kind of tempted to just always keep doing and mm -hmm. leaning on. But those little, those little moments are, I think, pretty special. Yeah. 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 I think over time you start to learn how to recognize it. Yeah. Very cool. What is it that excites you about sampling or what do you feel like it teaches you about production? Well, I think it's a, it's a pretty specific form of production. So I don't, you know, I think it's, I think it's not like the most comprehensive teacher, which is something that I've always sort of tried to stay aware of. As I, I have a lot of peers who like make pop music and we just have totally different perspectives on, on production. Uh, and, it's, and it's interesting. It's really cool. Um, but I think what it teaches you is like, a certain reverence for like music of the past and how to listen for different things. Like I find that I listen to music often for texture and for like, like smaller moments that I'm like, Oh, that would be a sick chop, you know, like, Oh mm -hmm. God, like I would love to have this as like a end of the phrase sort of like climactic, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of dissecting music now in my head in a way that I'm like, that's like not normal, but it's kind of cool. Like you, you sort of like, find the constituent parts of music that, that make it interesting mm. and you're assembling a collage of them. Uh, and so I, I, I don't know, I, I find that process really fun and it kind of teaches you how to listen to things a little bit more like just removed, I guess, mm. which, which is a double-edged sword, but it's definitely a fun, fun way to collaborate, I think, with the past in a way. And I guess like, because I know that you also spend a good bit of time teaching people that want to learn production as well, and I feel like you've mentioned to me that you've encouraged them a lot of times to kind of embrace sampling, especially when they're getting started mm -hmm. and maybe even no matter where they are, just as a way to continue to educate and inspire themselves, like speak mm -hmm. to that a little bit. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I think sampling is a great teacher for many reasons. Obviously, A, you're going to listen to a lot of music in the course of finding samples. 
and especially a lot of music that you wouldn't normally listen to. Uh, and I think that's one of the, the greatest gifts of producing sample-based music is like, you're just going to expose yourself to a lot and it's not going to be, ne not necessarily going to be music that is like current mm -hmm. and, and like trendy or like, like it's not going to be pushed to you. You have to go out and find it. Mm. That I think is a skill in, in and of itself um, and really fun and rewarding when you do find a gem and you're like, oh my God, like this never would have been pushed to me, you know, uh, if I hadn't knocked on the right doors, you know? So I think it teaches you that. It teaches you how to discover your own taste in a way. And then it also can help, like if you're learning production, it can help supplement your ability to, to finish things because you're basically taking an already finished work and you're using that in some way, either as the basis of your song or as an accessory to, to an arrangement that's already started. And you're just making it easier for yourself to, to complete something. So... You know, when I was 18, 19, first started making sample-based beats, I didn't know what I was doing. But because I had this sort of finished song that was helping along with an arrangement, it was like, oh, well, I, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And that just, that just that basic encouragement helped me out so much because I, I believed in myself, maybe a little too much, but <laughs> I believed in myself because I was able to finish songs and they sounded good. And, you know, thanks to the samples in, in large part, but also thanks to like, okay, this is a great starting point. Now I just got to like make some smacking drums and like maybe write a bass line and like, okay, we're good. How do you right. deal with that sense of, because you kind of just mentioned a second there, kind of that motivation piece, you know? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that we all struggle with, you know, in some way, shape or form, no matter where yeah. we are in the, in the journey, if you will. So like, I guess maybe how does that come up for you? And then how have you found our effective ways to kind of, Keep your head in the game. The motivation piece, man. Oh, I could talk on this for a very long time. Because um, I think about it all the time. And I'm sure you have your moments where you don't want to be in the studio that day or like it's just not coming to you and it's like really frustrating. And maybe you're like, wait, why am I doing this? Like, this is <laughs> insane. This is insane. Like, why would I devote my life to this? Yeah. But but then the moments where it all coalesces, right? You're like, oh, that, oh that's why. Like, this duh, is exactly why. Obviously. <laughs> Yeah. You know, because the joys outweigh the uh, the struggles, and and whatever you know brings you the creative high, I think is worth exploring and like and 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 optimizing for in a way, um, and recognizing. Um, for me, I think just like finishing songs and creating sounds around an existing arrangement, and like having this sort of conversation with the past through sampling is like that's just so cool. Yeah. But I think with, I mean, I talk to a lot of young producers these days, like who are fairly early in their career or hobby, as it were. And there tends to be a lot of frustration about, and this is to, just to provide some context here. I primarily exist in the lo-fi hip hop sample based, like, you know, chill hop, you can call it that sort of world. That's sort of where my, my, career has landed and so this is relevant to this crew of people and and people who who aspire to be in this section of the industry this is not necessarily applicable to everyone but mm. no that being said i find that people are really struggling with motivation at a really early point in their career relative to what i experienced and it's upsetting to me because i find they normally point to factors like i'm not getting on playlists or i'm not getting labels to support me or I, I can't reach this person. I don't know how to continue. 
And and I don't know how you feel about that, but that it it strikes me as like maybe we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit because I find that, I mean, that's just sort of like an external validation of something that I think like, you know, we gotta be having fun with this man. Like if we're not having fun, like who's going to want to, A, who's going to want to work with you and B, like, why are you doing it? If you're not making money from it and you're not having fun, like, like, okay, like, you know, w- w- what's up? And so I think it's just really important to, to remember that we're doing this to have fun and we're doing this to have the, the creative high and the, you know, the, the self-expression that that comes with it and and that should be foremost and everything mm-hmm. else will fall into place from there mm-hmm. but if you try to rush the other parts especially with how competitive you know especially in the lo-fi world and it's so competitive it's so saturated um there's only a few players who are really controlling a lot of the um you know the the streaming revenue and whatnot like if that's what you're worried about super early on i get it like hustle mm-hmm. hustle you know all day long if you want to but like sure it's a tough game to get into like probably don't go into music if you just want to make money, you know, like yeah. <laughs> maybe there are better things to do with your time, but it is a fun way to, uh, to spend your time, I will say. All right, I'm sorry to do it to y'all, but we're gonna have to cut it here for part one of this conversation with Bureaucratic. Make sure that you come through for part two, where we will continue this conversation and dive into so much more, including the importance of establishing your own purpose, appreciating the amount of work behind the scenes of others who appear to be quote unquote ahead of you, how bureaucratic went from making beats in his dorm room to catching a buzz and developing his career, building relationships through collaboration, the state of streaming as it relates to beats, building an audience of true fans of what it is that you do. That's it for this episode of Producer Head. Appreciate you coming through and being a part of it. My hope is that it helps you unlock a bit more creativity and find progress in a way that matters to you. Before we go, there are three simple and zero cost ways to support the Producer Head podcast. One, tap in and subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, whether it be Spotify or Apple. Two, if you haven't already, drop a review on Apple or Spotify, maybe both if you're feeling it. The feedback is appreciated and helps me continue to do what's working while improving along the way. Three, send this episode to one person who would enjoy it. Do not underestimate the power of word of mouth. The most old school of methods are often the most effective. Finally, let's stay connected. I regularly share ideas that help me develop my creative process, along with music recommendations and even give away free music and sample packs. Head to torubeat.com, T-O-R-U-B-E-A-T.com and sign up to receive all of these things and stay up on all things producer head. You can also stay connected with me and the podcast at torubeat, T-O-R-U-B-E-A-T on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. The theme music is one of my own songs. It is called Room to Breathe and available now on all streaming platforms. Again, for real, thank you so much for being here with me. And I look forward to catching you in the next episode of Producer Head. This has been Toru, and in a way, so are you. Peace.